Welcome to a Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. I'm Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello, and welcome to Missoni and Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. Thanks for listening as we follow the journey of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad you joined us today. We think it's important for us to be here with tips, love, and stories of hope for all our food friends out there. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Missoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Hey, Sarah, how was your week? I saw you made a big Easter spread yesterday. Yeah, well, I got that enormous ham at Safeway with all my coupons for $7.30. <laughs> That's a steal. <laughs> I know, I could have fed 15 people with it. Did you cook it on your Traeger? No, I've oh, done okay. that in the past. This year, I just put it in a big pan with some orange juice and baked it till it was warm. Just kept it simple. Cool. I wasn't yeah. sure. I thought I remembered you did it on the grill, but I couldn't. I remember. have, but actually it gets dry and more salty, I decided, and we didn't want it to be salty. So yeah, yeah just went the simple route. Tell us cool. about your new taco seasoning you launched this week, Sarah. Yeah, I um, brought the taco seasoning that I've been working on for almost this last year just trying mm-hmm. to get it ready to come out um so we launched it this weekend at the farmer's market and um it went really well so the it's really fun because i you know our business is based on using all of our ingredients so i dehydrate hot sauce that's part of a different sauce that i take out and um so it's all these it's like hot sauce powder with all these dried chilies and spices and vinegar so i dehydrate that and then powder it and then i use um oregano and uh, freeze-dried shallots. So they rehydrate in the whatever you're cooking it with, if it's tofu or meat. Um, but it's really good. And I made it super spicy and people were into it. And I sold tons at the market. And then um, people were messaging me how, how good and spicy it was. But I only did a hot version. So I still don't have one for you to try. <laughs> I think actually I have some of that that you gave me and you weren't going to give it to me the other day when I saw you, but I think I looked in my cupboard. I think I have some of the powder. Oh yeah. And so this evening when I cook my grass fed beef for our taco evening, I might try putting just a pinch of it in there to surprise (laughs) my family. Well, let me know how it goes. We just put it up on our website so people can get it online now as well. All right. Well, we are not alone today, even though we're just chatting away here. We have a special guest in the studio today. So we have Amanda Ramirez. Amanda is the founder of Made to Nourish You, offering personal chef and nutritional therapy. She is also a community builder and head of social media outreach at Eat Pluck, which is an 
Oregon, O-R-G-A-N, not Oregon, O-R-E-G-O-N, <laughs> based superfood seasoning. So welcome. It's great to have you in the in the studio today with us, Amanda. Thank you so much. You guys sound super fun. I'm really excited. <laughs> we, <laughs> we like to laugh and chat. So yeah. welcome. <laughs> welcome to our world. Yeah. yeah. I will say uh, we are we are organ based though. So that's a, a yeah. double play that yeah, I both. think about. <laughs> <laughs> Oregon's from Oregon. Yeah. yeah. You usually I introduce people almost always as Oregon. <laughs> so I just wanted to clarify that it's actually <laughs> both things. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So we want our listeners to be able to connect to you. So let's um direct them to the right social media and we'll do it for both businesses. Great. Yeah. So my personal chef business is called Made to Nourish. And that website is madetonourish.com. And my Instagram handle is Made to Nourish You. And uh, then the pluck, organ based seasoning, is eatpluck.com. And we are at eatpluck, P L U C K, on Instagram as well. Perfect. We'll um, get people connected to you through our Instagram as well. So we'll um, link people to both of those things. Uh, We want to help tell your story. And I know that you're going to be telling kind of two stories of two businesses. And so we'll just kind of go back and forth between each thing, wherever it, um, it fits right. But let's talk about how you started Made to Nourish You and when that was. Yeah, so I started as a personal chef in 2013. It was my first client. Um, And really the stories of these two companies interweave through this entire time because Eat Pluck's founder uh, is James Berry. And he, him and his wife were the first two people I met in the food and nutrition world back in 2011, 2012. Um, and we started working together. Like the moment I heard them speak, I was like, I need to work with you guys. You're the first people I know in the food industry. And I'm coming out of the fashion industry, not knowing anybody in the nutrition world. So our paths have really been intertwined throughout the last decade in a really beautiful way. Um, and the start of my personal chef business, um, which is now a team, we have three chefs on our team and we're all female and we're all Asian American, Um, And we specialize in working with people with autoimmune disease, blood sugar handling, cancer, food allergies, food sensitivities, you name it. When, if you want food as healing, that is what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really came out of me having my own health issue while I was still working in fashion design around 2010. Um, the The short of it is that Western medicine said, yeah, we can help you take this pill for the rest of your life. And I said, no, thank you. There's God. Is there anything I can do to change the way I eat to improve my health? And instead of saying, I'll refer you to a nutritionist, um, they just flat out said, no, there's nothing that food will do to help your issue, your condition. And I didn't believe that. Um, and Portland comes back, Oregon comes back into this story again, because I got connected with a naturopathic doctor, um, Andy Swanson, who's based out of Portland. And he put me on an elimination diet. And within two months, I didn't have to take any pills whatsoever. I mean, it was like, so mind blowing. I knew food had an impact on health, but this was really like, wow, I can feel it in my body. I can see it. 
and I don't have to take pills for the rest of my life. Like this is incredible. And out of that birthed this new passion for wanting to help other people find an alternative to pharmaceutical medications through food, through healing the body in that way. And that is really the founding concept of made to nourish. So I want to nourish people on all levels, on mental, physical, spiritual, nutrition levels. Um, and for that reason, like that's why I've hired other chefs who don't just have like the hard skills of knowing how to cook, but also the soft skills of knowing, knowing like what it takes for a woman and a mother to feed her family and what stresses there are and uh, knowing the impact of mental health, you know, stress management um, on overall being, overall well-being for the whole family. I, I love that. Awesome. And when I read your story on your um, website and Instagram and was kind of figuring out what to talk to you about, um, we've had a lot of female guests that um, have started their business based on their own healing themselves. And then it's just so lovely that then they're able to do that. And then they want to share it with other people. I really like that. And so it sounds like you fit into that category of um, someone who has done that. And I, I love that you're sharing it with other people. Can we dig just a little deeper? I noticed that you mentioned paleo, SIBO, and low FODMAP diets. Can you just quickly like a couple sentences for each one explain to our guests um our listeners what those three things are i think people wonder they hear it but they don't always know what it means sure yeah um so SIBO is small intestinal bacteria overgrowth and those that diet eliminates things that's going to feed bad gut bacteria um, that's causing inflammation and dysbiosis in the gut. Um, that's a pretty hard protocol to follow, actually. The alternative Western medicine is lots of um, antibiotics. Um, and when you want to work with the gut, like that's one way to do it. Paleo is another version. Without getting like too into all of the different diets, I would say that all of them are a form of elimination diet. And when you do an elimination diet, you're often removing things that are irritating to the gut and hard to digest. So like with paleo, you're removing grains and beans, which have high phytic acid, which binds to other minerals and makes it hard to absorb all, the, all of the nutrients that you're eating. Um, and that's hard for some people to wrap their hands or head around, like, wow, how, how could beans be, you know, detrimental to my health or even how could meat or how could vegetables be detrimental to my health? But plants all have this protective mechanism. They don't really want to be eaten. So they've got like phytic acid, like I said, to um, ward off, you know, predators, us or other animals um, or oxalates and greens, for example. So all of these different diets are ways to eliminate things that might be irritating to somebody. Um, I, we often, as a chef collective, work with AIP, which is autoimmune paleo. So that takes paleo to like a next level where you're taking out nightshades. So you're removing tomatoes, bell peppers, um, potatoes, eggplant, because those also can be pro-inflammatory to somebody, particularly those with autoimmune disease. Um, 
I would say along this journey, I have tried them all uh, just because I would never want to recommend something to somebody that I haven't tried. So we recently did carnivore and that that's literally what it sounds like. It's eating meat and animal products and that's it. No veggies whatsoever. (laughs) And that is another form of an elimination diet, right? So you're taking out all of the the plant fibers and all that stuff. Um, Look, in in nutrition, there's going to be some argument for why broccoli is the best thing to eat and how it can kill you. Like any food item can be argued for or against. Um, So I hope that answers your question a little bit into what the diets are. That's interesting. Yeah, I I keep seeing a lot of them come up lately. And then um, there's a new one I was reading about where it's like a combination between a vegan diet and a paleo diet. Yeah. Yeah. What's it called? Pegan? Yeah. But I haven't tried it. Um, we, I, so you mentioned Portland and I just wanted to talk about where you're based and also where Pluck is based. So, um, location wise, where are you? <laughs> I'm currently in Portland, Oregon. And oh, okay. also based in Portland, Oregon. Um, but we met in 2012 when we were, we all, we both happened to live in LA at that time. Yeah. And now you're both here. But you have... You have on your website this wonderful LA food resources link. And I didn't see it for Portland. I was like, where's the Portland one? Are you working on a Portland one? Oh, that's such a great question. Yeah, I've only been here for about a year. Okay. And that means that I've been here through COVID, right? So <laughs> I haven't gotten to connect super deeply with the food community here as I did in LA, which is where I'm born and raised. Um, so, you know, I know all the farmers of the farmer's markets there and I, and I haven't gotten that connection here in Portland. Um, partly because I'm super grateful that my, my business in LA has continued to thrive during, during this whole time, because, you know, people are getting tired of cooking and they just really want some home cooked meals. And that's great. And that I have, that has sustained me. And, uh, I really just took the time at the beginning of COVID to, enjoy walking outside and taking a pause on work because it was just so kind of chaotic and during that time I guess I'll segue into how I got into Pluck is that James developed and launched Eat Pluck during COVID in 2020. We officially launched in December and um when he was testing it out and just starting the social media page. Um, of course, I had already tried it by then. We're very, very close friends and I've been over for dinner several times and we were part of each other's pod. And I was like, this is amazing. And I went to go look at his Instagram and I'm like, ooh, like, this, this, like the website looks amazing. You have this amazing designer. What is happening with your Instagram? It looks terrible, like really, <laughs> really bad. <laughs> Do you know how important social media is? Like you have, I'm I'm just going to, let me just give you your phone and I'm just going to help you really quick because you really need to fix this. And that is actually how I joined Pluck. (laughs) I was helping helping your friend. (laughs) I love that. Well, let's tell people about what Pluck is because they may not totally get it. So if you want to describe the product and why James came up with it. 
Yeah. So Pluck is an Oregon-based seasoning. That's Oregon meats. And he uses five freeze-dried organ meats, uh, liver, kidney, heart, spleen, pancreas. And it's combined with herbs and spices to create this delicious umami all-purpose seasoning. Now, why would he do that? Um, there's a couple reasons. Um, one of them was like he was, he was, his background in food, he's been a chef for the last 16 years and he's worked with major celebrities and he even owned a food, uh, a gluten-free meal delivery service in LA that I interned at back in 2012 and worked with him and he gave me my first client and that's a whole other story. Um, and he wanted to reach more people. Like as we are trying to spread the love and have a bigger impact, we keep wanting to reach more people and have it be more accessible. So, you know, working for A-list celebrities is like, only very few can, can afford that, right? Um, and in his process of trying to figure out what he could do to have a bigger impact, he was working with collagen and he initially putting it in his daughter's lunches. Like if he was making a peanut butter and jelly, he'd throw in some collagen in there because as she started school in first grade or kindergarten, it, you can no longer control what your kids are eating, right? Because they're, they're going outside of the home. And so he started to do that and then thought about, well, you know, ideally in a dream world, you'd have liver pate because that's the most nutrient dense thing a kid could eat, but you can't put that in a kid's meal. You know, <laughs> they're going to get made fun of or just not want to eat it. worst. Yeah. yeah. So um, he essentially thought, like, how can we take all of those ingredients? Because liver pate does taste really well with lots of onion and spices in it. And um, that was kind of how he thought of the idea to, well, what if you could put it in a powder version? Um, that, that is, that's really how it came, came to be. When I was pregnant, I was at the farmer's market, my um, neighbor at the time was a rancher and he was like, you have to eat all of the, you have to eat liver and kidney and all the stuff. And they, they sold like a package of it. And I was like, okay, I don't know. <laughs> I had um, liver injections when I was pregnant. You did? Yeah. Well, it's I like did. so good for pregnant women. And so I I took it home and I cooked it with vegetables and I had a really hard time eating it. So when I saw this product, I was like, this is what every pregnant woman would want to do. I mean, I, you're so sensitive to taste and smells like everything's and heightened. Yeah. yeah. And I feel <laughs> like if you, if you guys made a way for it to taste good and you don't have to, it was the cooking process that really was off putting exactly. to me. <laughs> yeah. So Pluck really, this is like why, also why Pluck was invented. Pluck as a seasoning that tastes amazing, it solves the having to buy it, look at it, thaw it out, cook it. <laughs> The texture, the the flavor even, like liver on its own is quite a strong flavor. And and pluck is really like the uh, solve to all of that, right? Because um, yeah. you can put it on, on, it works on pretty much anything savory. We've tried it on. It's amazing. And kids happen to love it. They devour it. In fact, usually the reaction from kids is, once they have it on something, they just want to stick their finger in it and eat it. And I think that has a lot to do with kids innately knowing that these nutrients are essential for their body, but also um, 
umami is the main flavor that naturally comes from the organ meats and it hits all your flavor receptors. You know, it's, it's, it's synthetic version would be MSG. And when you go out to eat MSG, like you want to just keep eating and eating and eating, and eating right. It, it's, it's a savory flavor and it's really delicious. Um, that, well, and also, so then later when I was nursing, I was really low in iron and I, and my doctor had me take iron supplements and they were so hard on my stomach and my body. Like they just made, they made me feel terrible and they were supposed to be helping me. So does this have a lot of iron in it? I was guessing it did, but I didn't check the nutritional facts. Yeah. So organ meats are high in iron and protein and all the fat soluble vitamins and so many minerals. But pluck is not a supplement. So there are organ meat supplements out there, but that we're different from that um, in, in that it's a small amount. So it's not going to push you over to the like danger zone of getting too much iron, but it's going to give you more than you would in your regular salt and pepper or everything but the bagel seasoning. So you're getting a little bit where you would normally not be getting any at all. Yeah. I think that's really great. I think it's a good way to build it into people's diets, you know, that is it freeze dried. It is freeze dried. So that, that way of doing it retains, you know, more nutrients than if it was uh, heat dried. So what's going to be your big idea for your product now that you're helping <laughs> this pluck product, what are you going to come up with Amanda? What a Big question. I was not <laughs> expecting that one. <laughs> no help you. Sarah will help you. <laughs> She's really good at it. Oh, that would be so much fun. Why don't you do Gosh, a, but, a complimentary like vegetable and fruit blend or something? Freeze dried. Yeah, yeah. I would love to do well, I, I like building on this idea. So I would love to even boost the umami and, and blend, do a blend with some medicinal mushrooms in it. Um, Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Which which ones would you put in there? That's a good question. Um, if there was some way to do like chaga and mataki and like turkey tail, then that I, would be interesting. I have not even tried that, but when I've gone down to the people's co-op, I can see that they've got this beautiful array of uh, powdered mushrooms and herbs and flowers and all of that stuff. So I think that will be the next thing that I do um, for pluck. That's a good idea. I like that idea. Thanks. Ladies, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back to hear more about these wonderful businesses. I want to know what Amanda cooks. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Okay, we're back from our break. Okay, Amanda, tell us what your favorite meal to cook for a new client is. Oh, let's see. I love doing this grain-free chicken schnitzel with ground almond flour. And I use like a lot of cumin and pepper and it's like, it's a comfort food. It's like people are getting breaded chicken, but they're not getting the sugar spike from 
uh, regular flour. And then I like to pair that with really simple roasted yam fries and a garlic lemon tahini sauce. Um, I think it somehow subconsciously connects me to my fashion design roots. I worked for an Israeli company and I just love all of their food and flavors and language. Uh, so typically that is a super hit with adults and kids. They just devour plates of it. Um, but overall, I would say I love doing comfort foods in a, in a healthy way um, that leaves you satiated, but not like heavy. Like if you're doing a mac and cheese, I love to do it with meat, but do make like a cashew cheese. I'm not anti-dairy at all, but um, those, I like doing comfort foods and sauces. Sauces, actually, now that I think about it, that is my favorite. I love to make herbed pestos with all different kinds of nuts or seeds and, and fresh herbs. Yum. That sounds good. I, um, I always have this question when we talk about healthy eating because my parents were like super hippies from the seventies. Right. So we were told like we had to eat whole grains and like all, you know, all of that, like, you know, I grew up eating barley and all, all of that stuff. And then now it feels like a lot, whenever anybody's talking about improving your eating, the first thing that they tell you to cut is grains or wheat or things like that. And it's like the opposite of what I grew up learning. And I always am stuck in this place where I'm like, maybe I should do that. Or when I'm deciding how to feed my daughter and what to tell her healthy food is, I always kind of get stuck. What do you have to say about it? I am not a fan of making grains the enemy. Um, they've been around for millennia. People have been perfectly fine eating bread and wheat. <laughs> I don't like to demonize it. Um, because I work with an, a clientele that tends to have autoimmune disease, in that case, for the most part, gluten is probably problematic for those people. Um, outside of having an autoimmune disease, oh my gosh, like eat all the bread you could possibly want to eat. And if it's fermented, even better. If it's an ancient grain, even better. Einkorn wheat um, and, and whole milled grains, it's fantastic. Like go for it. Those, like I said, people have been eating it for ages. I mean, if you go to Italy, like it's just like all you eat, right? Like an espresso, I feel great eating it. I know, I feel like now if I, um, you know, when people ask, like what I eat at the farmer's market or how I cook with my sauces. I'm like, Oh, well we eat a lot of grain bowls. And I feel like every person is like, <gasps> you know, like I'm telling them to eat fried chicken or something. And I'm like, that's what I eat almost every day for lunch is like, um, you know, some kind of grain with like vegetables on it. But I feel like whenever I say that to people at the farmer's market, they're like horrified. <laughs> Yeah, I gluten-free these days, you know, I don't, I really don't like that. It came from the earth. It came from the ground. And you know what didn't that candy bar, that latte that wrapped, you know, that, that cereal, that super processed, like all of, if it came from a package, that is the stuff that needs to be <laughs> tossed and thrown away. And like, you know, that's where the stink face should come in. When somebody's walking out the grocery store and they've got all these like packages of stuff, chips and cereals and granola bars that are quote unquote healthy, like then, yeah, that's yeah. a stink face. I know. I was telling my husband, I was like, I think I have to t start telling people I eat something different because <laughs> I just can't. 
can't people can't handle it you could just say you're eating veggie bowls you don't have to say that's true that's true i could because <laughs> i am but i just like i'm like this is really weird i don't understand what's happening and it's only been in the last couple of years really and i'm like i don't know that's that's how my parents taught me how to eat healthy <laughs> That's funny. Um, let's talk about what nutritional therapy is and what that encompasses, because that's Good part idea. of your business. So um, what's your definition of nutritional therapy? Uh, I would say nutritional therapy is using food to improve overall, overall well-being and digestion, um, which the school that I went to, the Nutritional Therapy Association, we believe that digestion starts in the brain. So when you are thinking about food, you are already activating your salivary glands and gastric juices, just thinking of, you know, or smelling something even. And, uh, and then it would be your mouth, right? So chewing it, how well are you chewing it can help with the digestion. And then it goes to the stomach and, and, and maybe you've, uh, had some digestive bitters or sauerkraut or something to even help start the digestion process. Um, so nutritional therapy is looking at all of that. It's also looking at your hydration, which is super key. Uh, for all sorts of bodily functions. Um, and you're looking at, at how people are eating too, not just what they're eating, but when they wake up, are they waiting four hours to eat something? Um, is the first thing that they're eating sugar? Um, and how, how often is that coming into um, the day? So it's looking at blood sugar balance throughout the day. Um, I chose not to go the clinical route of nutritional therapy because no matter how much you paid me, I could not sit in an office. I just, I couldn't. Coming from a design background and being an artist and working with my hands, I never would have thought I'd become a chef, but because I have this love now of nutritional therapy and I studied it, I still wanted to like use that uh, education that I got, but through my hands. And that's how I became a personal chef. I think Looking as an art. Yeah, it totally is. And I, I really liked when I was looking through your Instagram, it, it looks like you still do art, you do some painting and stuff. And I think that um, when I think of the nutritional therapy piece, it seems like, like with any therapeutic process, it has to be well-rounded. So even though you're first looking at your food, you also have to look at your mental health, your physical health, all of these different things come into play for your overall well-being. And it seems like you do a really good job at doing all of those things for yourself. Do you use uh, art? <laughs> do you use art as part of your therapy? Not yet. I mean, for my personal therapy, yes. I actually start what oh, a, that painting. I'm painting something. And I wanted to know if you can analyze me from this painting. <laughs> Are you trying to go somewhere? I see a train. <laughs> well, at least you knew it was a train. <laughs> yeah, for me, the painting really painting. started. Oh, look at that boat. Oh, is this watercolor? Yeah, this one's watercolor. Mm. The other one's acrylic. It's beautiful. And, and like, do, do you get, and once you start painting, I don't know if that's happened to you, but for me, once I start painting, everything melts away. Like everything. I'm yeah, so it does make it. me feel good. 
And that, that was my personal therapy in, in quarantine. Like after we realized like, oh, it's not just this fun two week thing where we get to walk around the block and watch the flowers blossom. You know, I, I really needed an outlet because I, again, I wasn't connecting to the food community. I could no longer cook. I did have one client up here and uh, he worked in the baseball industry and, you know, his business that shut down, he said, I'm really sorry. Like, I would love to keep you, but, but I can't, I just can't afford it. We've got three kids and I don't know when I'm, I'm going to return to work. And I'm like, I completely understand. And I didn't know how sad I was not being in people's homes, serving them. I really, I didn't, I didn't realize it until much later, but thankfully I started potting plants and I started painting. And when I did that, I was so hyper-focused into the process. It just flowed and all these paintings came out. I think that it's, I was wondering about that because I know that usually how personal chef services work is that you go into people's homes and you cook for them. And so how are you doing your business now with COVID? Good question. We have converted all of our clients to delivery. So our chefs oh, cool. in home and, you know, they, they really appreciated that so much because a lot of them are immunocompromised and did not want to leave their houses actually. Um, and sense. so we just rose to the occasion <laughs> and, you know, cooked in our homes. We did get, you know, extra cleaning supplies and gloves and things like that and extra cooler bags and coolers to do the deliveries outside so we could safely, you know, swap meals with containers. Um, no, I'll, I'll put it this way. We, we, we refer, thankfully got so much business that we've had to refer clients out because the situation actually worked really well for personal chefs. Yeah. The restaurant industry. So. Yeah, I know it, we get a mix on the show of, you know, it's been a year now of us. We've, we've continued recording, you know, through the, through all this and, and we get a mixed um, interaction restaurants. It's so tough on, but anybody that was willing to deliver people to people's homes, it seems to have, they've been They're able to survive fine. and get through. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, yeah. I did the same thing just even with um, delivering, to people personally to their doors. We just did it for free, um, you know, as part of a service to offer them because a lot of our customers were regular customers, but they weren't leaving their house for usually, you know, the same kinds of reasons they needed to, they were immune compromised. They needed to stay home. So we just offered that service and it worked out really well. And that's what I kind of recommend to people if they're feeling like stuck, it's like find some way to get good, healthy food to people during this time. And you can probably make it work, you know, temporarily, yes. temporarily. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm happy to, if anybody listening to this podcast needs personal chefs in Portland or Los Angeles, I will help find find them. And, and you know, I, be, I was up here in Portland while this was all happening at the beginning of COVID. I flew back up March 13th. Oh, and that's when everything that was a Friday. Up. It was a Friday the 13th. And yeah. uh, we skied on Mount Hood the next day. I was like, whoa, I'm so glad I'm up here. And I'm not in LA. It's raining. It's traffic. They don't know how to handle that. It's insane. Um well, my point, I lost my train of thought, <laughs> but what I did want to say is that one of the big things, oh, I felt so disconnected from my community down there and I felt bad for leaving, to be honest. I thought, oh, I should have stayed. I should have stayed in the ship. I should have stayed with my chefs and I should have helped them because we never stopped working and the lines at the grocery store, they would for over a month, for two months, they were waiting in line for an hour 
an hour yeah. to get into a Whole Foods. So while we were so thankful for the work, it was extremely stressful for, for the chefs in my company to, to be in the chaos of it all in a city, like as densely populated as Los Angeles. Yeah. And my way of giving back, I feel a little bit emotional talking about it, was to make this LA food resource guide because oh, okay. I knew that the, the grocery stores were overwhelmed and the farmer's markets lost all their restaurant business. And I really wanted to connect people more with the farmers. And I was updating that thing on, the, on a daily basis for probably a good two months because everything was changing by the hour. Um, and, that, and I emailed it immediately to as many people as possible. And it just blew up like wildfire. I had never, you know, I had a, my, my business page, my business website was a splash page. And I had this one blog post, the LA Food Resource Guide. And I just watched my numbers on the Google Analytics just like go up and up and up. And it was just so hard. It made me cry. It was amazing how many people use that resource and messaged me to say, oh, I, I got far, I see a say box for the first time. And I love it. And it's amazing. And, uh, you know, I can never go back to the grocery store. So, that was my contribution during, during COVID at the beginning. That's very good. Well, if you want um, to meet any farmers or people here in the community, I can introduce you to everybody. I mean, I've been at the farmer's markets for 10 years, so I know just about every farmer in town. <laughs> so I can introduce you whenever you're ready. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I actually, I did connect with, I give a shout out to Wapato Island or Wapato Farms on Savi Island. Um, I did volunteer with them because that was something I needed too, to just get my hands in the dirt. And, and we just had Side Yard Farm on our show a couple. Yeah. Stacy is amazing. She's Stacey one of my favorite farmers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So good. Um, well, we only have a couple minutes left. So, um, Really quickly, let's make sure we covered everything. I want I know you had a discount code for our listeners. Do you want to talk about that? Yes, yeah. We're happy to give your listeners um, a 10% discount. I think we said we'll make it meaningful 10. Yeah. Meaningful 10. So you can enter that code and uh, we'll send you guys a link also that you can post that up and people can just click on it, automatically populates um, the link. Um, if there's any last thing I want to say about Pluck, I would say, I do want to say one of the biggest challenges to launch a business in this time at the end of last year was not being able to be at the farmer's market to like do a delicious grilled shrimp or like corn on the cob and put Pluck on it and show everybody, you know, like it, it tastes amazing. You know, how do we convey that it tastes incredible when people already have this uh, you know, idea that organ meats are disgusting and yucky and don't taste good. And I don't want to eat it. It's a brand new food product. Like the USDA and uh, what's the other body? They didn't know how to, like, if we were a supplement or we were for food, we're like, oh, we don't know how to handle it. We send you to the other department. Oh, we don't know how to handle it. We send you back to the USDA. Um, <laughs> so being, a, I would say that that's the biggest challenge, but the uh, Instagram community has been, uh, wonderful. And in even live shares also on our social media, we have a highlight that says live taste test because people have been willing to record themselves live smelling and tasting, um, all of the herbs and savory umami-ness. Uh, and it's, I love it. So that's a great way to see how it tastes. We promise it's delicious. 
we, yeah, it's hard for it. This is a hard time to launch a food business, not because people aren't willing to buy stuff, but because so much of having a food business is sampling and customers tasting. And that's how you draw them in. And that's how they buy your product at the stores. And so it's been really interesting to see how people come up with creative ways to do it. Um, We just got some emails from Market of Choice. They are our podcast sponsor, but they're trying to find ways for um, people to demo in store. And what it's kind of come down to is just having like a little packet of something that, and this might work for you guys that people can, can take and take home and then, and try it and post about it. But that I, I think we'll start to see more creative ways to do that because it's, it's such an important part of the food business. Yes. I love the live taste test um, idea. I think that's really ingenious. I think that's fun. Yeah. It's great because you know, the when you go to a grocery store, those spices are not as fresh as you might think they are. They have, you know, come from overseas and they've been in barrels and, you know, been packaged. They've been sitting on the shelves for quite a long time, but we're getting it like directly from sources. And so when you open a package of black, it's, it's really this... Uh, it, it really hits you. It's very aromatic. You really smell the garlic and the onion and the herbs. And, and like I said, you get that little bit of um, just sa- unique savory smell from the organ meats. So, yeah, I love the live recordings. It's so fantastic because people are usually like, ooh, ooh yeah. And they, I encourage you to check those out. They're fun to watch. Well, I, I can't wait to try it. I haven't had it yet, but I'm going to try it. And me I'll, um, maybe I'll do one me. of your, one of your live um, taste tests. <laughs> Ooh, me too. I'm going to do a live yeah, taste test. Yeah, we should. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see that. Well, it was really great to have you on the show today. It was, you know, we haven't met you before. So it's lovely to hear about what you do and the things that you're doing for people to lead better, healthier lives. We love it. So thanks for coming on and and sharing what you do with our listeners. Thank you, Amanda. Sarah and Sarah. We record Missoni and Marshall live every week. Find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can send us a message at our Missoni and Marshall Instagram. Until next week, thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye. Bye for now. Bye. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of Meaningful Marketplace. As a family-owned organ grocer for 42 years, Market of Choice strives to inspire, mentor, and assist a diverse group of local producers and foster equity in our communities. With 11 stores in Oregon, Market of Choice supports these craft makers as well as farmers, fisher folk, and ranchers by bringing more than 7,000 local products to market. Together, we form a sustainable, community-based food system that serves our great state. To learn more, go to marketofchoice.com. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.